When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. I can't rebuild him again. He's already tore it down. You pull Wilson, you're pulling him for good. And there's no going back. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. Presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. And I can't believe that I get to talk to a man who was on CNBC earlier this week doing his best Al Michaels impression with the knot. I How mean, this guy's a superstar. How are we doing, as, Michael? It was not as good as Al. Let's get that straight. There's no knot in compared to Al, although I was... I was highly motivated by the not to be like Al, but that was my first experience being on Wall Street. I was on the trading floor. How was it? Downtown Josh Brown from, oh, you know, uh, Ritzholtz, the the company, Barry Ritzholtz's company, Josh Brown. And, and you know, he invited me up there to do that little hit. It was great. I mean, it was incredible. I'd never been on Wall Street before. It's a horrible day. It was raining pouring, but... (laughs) It was really a lot of fun. I did the show in some room off to the side. You know, there's so much history in that building, my Lord. So it was fun. I really enjoyed it. A lot of security get in it. <laughs> you know, you just can't waltz around. But uh, it was great. I mean, it was fun. I, I actually even wore the – I kept the tie on for the Lombardi line. How about that? Look I mean, at that. I didn't even change – I didn't even do my Batman and go down the pole and change clothes. I just kind of stayed in the stayed in the moment, you know. It was pretty, pretty good. It was good. It was an honor to do that, and I appreciate them helping promote football done right. And, and by the way, everybody who sent me an autograph book, a book to sign, that will happen tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day off from doing all shows. Mm. Uh, I'm coming back in this office. I got a stack of them all over in here. They will go out in the mail tomorrow. I promise you, the Ocean City Post Office will not be happy when I walk in there, but we're going to get them done. <laughs> it's their Friday. They're looking to go ahead and get to the weekend, and here you oh, coming with, with a stack of books. I pissed, off. <laughs> I pissed off some guy behind me in the line. I had these all these books to send out, and he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, look, brother, I don't know what to tell you. They only have one person working here. It's not my fault. Call, you know, call, call Joe Biden up. Don't call them bitch at me. <laughs> Called Joe Biden up. <laughs> well, you looked sharp on CNBC, by the way. So it was awesome Thank that you were you out there. It was, it was, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm we're gl- glad you're able to go ahead and promote the book once again. Uh, if you haven't got, I mean, everybody, 99.99999 percent of the people listening to this right now know that your book has already been out. Football done right. Get it wherever you get your books. But for the one person that doesn't know, football done right is out now. It's been out for about a month yeah, now. I, I love this one. I, I don't read the reviews, but I read one review on Goodreads, and the guy wrote. I, I, how can you trust this book when he doesn't have Deacon Jones in his top hundred players? You know, you know, how can you trust that you read the book? Deacon's a 10 a Deacon's in the top 10. What are you talking about? That's what kills you. That's why I haven't read any reviews. I really thank everybody who has written a review. I appreciate it very much. But some of these reviews, you know, the people don't even read the book. They just, if they don't like you said something bad about their team, they just go in there and give you a bad rating, which is kind of disappointing, but that's yeah. what it is. You know, then when he's at least when, if they give you a bad review, right. Why they didn't like the book, I'd appreciate that. I'd learn something, but 
where they give you a one Oh and say, you didn't put Deacon in the book and Deacon's in the book. Now we got problems. Now I'm coming after your ass. <laughs> well, you, you deserve to go after them because clearly they must have missed something. Maybe they skipped that part of yeah. the of, of the of the top 100 players. Yeah, like like the like the idiots. I wrote a column on Miami and and, and all these oh. Miami Dolphin experts. We will get are to like, that. Well, you know, you could just tell he just watches a little bit. Of, he just watches the highlights. Yeah, like why don't you spend a day with me and see how you think I watch highlights? Like seriously, you're just an idiot. We will get to that. But because the book is out, this is a cool idea and a new segment that we're going to be doing here on the GM Shuffle called Football Done Right. And also maybe a little bit of football done wrong for the teams that need to get their act together. And you were on Wall Street. I'm sure a lot of Jets fans were hanging around trying to figure out what's going on with their team. One and two. Zach Wilson's at quarterback. They don't really want Zach Wilson at quarterback. They signed Trevor Simeon. Uh, What's going on here with the New York Jets and how do they kind of navigate this quarterback issue that they've got? And it's going to be in primetime on Sunday with a lot of people watching it for the whole country to see. Well, well, it's really, you know, this is a leadership issue here. This is really what it is. And and what I don't think fans realize that as the leader of the team, when you defend a player or you defend the team, uh, you basically put your credibility at stake. And so every time Salah goes in front of the team and says, you know, we're, we're sticking with Zach Wilson, the 52 other guys who don't believe in him, are saying to themselves, you know, what's he, why is he lying for this guy? Here's what we'll know five years from now, Femi, mm-hmm. you'll probably have watched the, the Sopranos a second time. <laughs> and when you go to your Netflix account, there will be a new documentary out. Why Zach Wilson hated football. I never liked it. I just did it because it was good. You know, this will be the documentary. Untold Zach stories. Wilson, New York. Untold stories, right? I mean, you just feel this coming, right? Like it's coming. The Zach Wilson, I hate football. I didn't really want to play. I just was talented anyway. So, you know, that's coming in. Dude, we'll, we'll be in your inbox at Netflix in five years from now. Just wait. All right. That's a little programming note we can mm. give you here. But more than anything, when he stands in front of his team and he starts talking about and defending this player, it's a real issue to the rest of the team. He loses credibility. But here's where he doesn't even know where he puts himself with a checkmate. And this is football done right. And this is going to be Chet make for him. Because when he takes out Wilson, okay, which he will do, maybe he does it in the second quarter against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does it the next week they play. But he's taken Wilson out eventually, or he's going to lose the ship. Yeah. But once he takes Wilson out, he can never go back to Wilson again. Mm-hmm. He can never go back to Wilson again. He really, so when everybody's making a hoopla about signing one player, signing Simeon, okay, mm-hmm. great, we signed Simeon. They should sign two because when Simeon gets hurt and the chances of him getting injured, and I'm not wishing this on anyone, but the chances of him getting hurt are pretty high behind that offensive line. And he's not a big kid. He's not a big man. Mm-hmm. So he gets hurt. You can't go back to Wilson. You basically cannot go back to Wilson. Your team is over at that point. Once you remove Wilson, you basically say to Joe Douglas, if you want to keep him on the roster for cap reasons, good. No problem. We will, but we're never playing him again because I'll lose my credibility. I can't rebuild him again. He's already tore it down. So if you try to put him back on the field again, it's over. It's over. Now that's second order thinking, and I'm sure Salah hasn't thought about that. And I'm sure Douglas hasn't either, unless they plan on going to boil. But to me, that's the way this thing's setting up. You pull Wilson, you're pulling him for good. And there's no going back. You mentioned how the other 52 guys in the locker room might be looking at Salah like, why is he putting on the cape for this guy? Well, ESPN's Rich Semenya, who's been plugged in covering the Jets for as long as I can remember, says that a lot of the defensive guys are not happy. He said, quote, this defense knows that if any other player was performing his job the way Wilson is performing his, that player would be benched. Trust me, there is tension in that locker room. And it feels like there was tension on the sidelines in the game against the Patriots. And now we have the whole country watching. Like, this is a, such a negative negative tension sort of environment that Zach Wilson is entering in Sunday night to where, I mean, first in completion, the boo birds are going to be raining down like crazy. Like, like, like it's going to be pretty, pretty difficult for this guy who, I mean, like this is probably going to be his last start barring some sort of crazy injury situation for the jets. Well, what you see is an absence of leadership. This is, this is, if you want to know what absence of leadership looks like, 
Look at the Jets. It's an absence of leadership because they refuse to hold everybody accountable. There's a different agenda going on within the building. Okay. They, they want to hold you accountable to play the run, hold you accountable to play the pass, but they're not going to hold the quarterback accountable because we picked them second overall. And that's what happens. And that's why what Walsh told me in 84 about we're only competing against eight teams, he was right because the civil war that goes on in these buildings, people don't realize, you know, the coaches are not co- coaching the players the right way. The players got more potential, didn't give them a chance, yada, all this back and forth, right? And so there's no accountability. Look, to me, I think he did the right thing. He went to him. He tried to prop him up. But Mm -hmm. once he gave that lackluster effort down there in in Dallas and then really last week, I mean, how much more do you need to watch? Like I I said this on Bill Simmons podcast the other day. Like I've seen enough of your guy fields. I've seen enough of Wilson. Like there's no sense in talking about it. If they want to keep playing them, go ahead. And if they want to fall in love with a spike, go ahead. But the, the end result, the long play, is going to be a disaster. But what's going to be really a disaster is when they put Simeon in and he gets hurt, ankle, mm. concussion, something, and now they go back to him, they might as well forfeit their team. They might as well forfeit the draft. They, it's over. Because then the team will say, screw it, we're done. Now, what I would do is I would take Wilson out. I would have bench Wilson. We're going to keep him on the team for cap purposes, try to trade him before the trade deadline. No, that's not going to happen. And then you got to release him after that so you can save yourself some cap room. It's over. We're done. We're moving on. Now, we're not moving on maybe because of cap issues, but we're moving on. And if we got to play with 52, we'll play with 52. But you're sending a message to your team that you see the problems and you're willing to fix the problem. How do you lose leadership? How do you lose your constituents? when you don't address the obvious. Hmm. Well, I want to ask you this one. I feel like I might know the answer, but I think a lot of listeners are curious to know what is real and what is just noise. Would they ever call up Kwesi Adafo Mensa and entertain trading for Kirk Cousins to try to save their season? No, I, I can't. You know, people keep saying that, but how do they fit Kirk Cousins' paragraph five on their team? Yeah. Remember, we said all offseason, people have short memories. The Vikings didn't redo Kirk Cousins' deal to lower his cap number because they didn't want to have more acceleration on their team. They didn't want to occur more cap debt moving forward. People don't realize Kirk Cousins is having, not not in terms of QBR because he turned the ball over too much, but in terms of yards, he's actually surpassed Tua in yards, which is phenomenal, right? That's not realistic. That's not realistic because he has such a high paragraph five and the jets are so far over cash and cap that if they do that, they're just buying themselves some more time into it. They've got to figure out a way to make it work with Simeon. They got to figure out a way to make it work with someone else, but it ain't working with Zach Wilson. This Kirk cousins notion. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, Minnesota doesn't think they're out of it. Minnesota, Minnesota could make the case that they should be two and one and they could make a great case for that. Definitely. Their season is so backwards from what it was last year, where they can make the case that yeah. they should be like seven and 10. They end up winning 13 games. Now it's like we could be two and one, but we're sitting here at oh and three. But I just wanted to address the Kirk Cousins thing, because I think a lot of people have been sort of making that kind of connection about, oh, could they trade for Cousins since the Vikings are sitting there at oh and three? But maybe they call up Carson Wentz if Simeon were to get hurt. I mean, there's guys that they're on the street oh. and they look painful for you. <laughs> you look like you're just in pain. But who would you rather play, Zach Wilson or, Kurt, or Carson Wentz? I mean, that's one of those tough tough decisions. I don't think you can go back to Zach Wilson. Uh, but the Jets, good you're luck to... You're not going to, back to him. Yeah, yeah. Good luck to Zach Wilson Sunday night. I don't think it's going to be that great. We'll continue the discussion. This is the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in 
instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance, see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael, before we get to the rookie head coaches, I just want to ask you this because you are an aficionado of the NFL and TV, as you wrote in your book, Football Done Right. And do you think that Sunday Night Football is going to be the highest rated regular season game ever? Because we heard that all Taylor Swift will be in attendance and the Swifties are big fans of Taylor <laughs> with the Kansas City Chiefs playing in the Meadowlands. Like, are we going to be setting records? Because these are the two biggest entertainment entities in the in the country. You have the NFL and you get yeah. Taylor Swift all combining. And also, by the way, you have the best quarterback in the league playing in primetime as well. This could do a huge number for our friends at NBC. Oh, I mean, they're not regretting this at all. I oh, mean, they at love first it. they thought, oh, <laughs> we, I mean, we got can't we get out of this? Can't we get out of this? And then all of a sudden they realized that you know, this is this is the gift that keeps on giving. You know, it's like, oh my God! It, it really comes down to if you ever follow the, the, this this great advertising guy named Rory Sutherland. He's he's written some incredible books. He's really good. But it's all about marketing. It's all about packaging. You know, during the Frederick the Great time, you know, they, they there was really there was only wheat. There was only bread that they were eating, right? And they knew they needed another carbohydrate. And so they, they tried to get people to encourage them to eat potatoes, but it was an ugly looking vegetable. Nobody wanted to eat potatoes. It was disgusting. But Frederick the Great had a great idea. So what he did was he made in his, in the courtyard, he made a garden and planted potatoes. And then he surrounded the garden with armed guards. Because let's face it, if you, if it's so valuable that everybody wants it, right, yeah. people are going to go in there. And then all of a sudden people start eating potatoes just because the armed guards were around it. Wow. And the armed guards were instructed to just let, just go ahead and let, just go ahead and let the, uh, if they want to come in and rob some potatoes so they can plant them in their fields, go ahead and do it. And so it just proves the velvet rope theory. And so this is, uh -huh. this is no matter how bad the product might look, if there's something we want to watch, we're going to watch. And yeah. that's what it is. So potatoes and Taylor Swift, they go hand in hand. <laughs> the velvet rope theory. Who knew? It's a good, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Uh, over under who knew? 24 cutaways of Taylor Swift on the broadcast. <laughs> oh, I mean, they might as well just put a camera on it. Do you hear Russo go crazy on, on, on uh, whatever show he goes on? I, I, mean, I did not hear that. You know, you know, it, it goes, it, it's, it's the line is if something's worth guarding, it's worth stealing. That's essentially what it is. And so they're going to be guarding her and everybody's going to steal a peek. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Maybe we'll get a little picture in picture. We get the game, then like in a little small box in the corner, you get Taylor oh, Swift yeah. watching it live. Uh, but no, it'll, it'll yeah. be uh, quite the spectacle there at the Meadowlands. Maybe not the spectacle for Jets fans, given the betting market right now has the Chiefs How as a nine and a half point there, That's going to be, that, that's going to be incredible. We're going to get her in, get her yeah. in the elevator, get her up to the box. Oh man. Cause yeah. there's no, you know, you're going to have to go through the crowd to get in there. Yeah. Like, in, you know, and, and what box is she sitting? It's a road game. The, the, the Chiefs, did they get a box from the Jets? Like, where does all this come from? Anyway. Hope so. Uh, well, let's talk about some new coaches in new places and give out just a little early season report card. We're about three weeks into the regular season. And we wanted to kind of get inventory on where these coaches are at. And let's start in the AFC South because we have two new coaches in that conference or rather in that division, I should say. Shane Steichen with the Colts sitting at two and one off the upset victory of the Baltimore Ravens and then D'Amico Ryans of the Houston Texans at one and two, just upsetting the Jacksonville Jaguars last Sunday. But let's focus in on Shane Steichen. What grade would you give him on how they've done so far here in just three weeks in the regular season. Well, you know, not only does he, he win two games, he loses starting quarterback for basically two games that he wins. You know, he would have beaten, I'm sure he would have, would have won the game uh, against Houston without, without the, you know, even if Richardson would have stayed mm -hmm. healthy in that game, but I think it's a solid B. He's done a really nice job. 
uh, last week. Their defense was more aggressive than I've seen it in the past. I don't know if Steichen's encouraging Bradley to take more chances, which he needs to do, but that was encouraging. I think he's done a really nice job. He didn't change the offense. I mean, look, Minshew is a backup quarterback. Minshew offers some timing throws, some rhythm. But for him, it's got to be that six-back attack, and he's got to be able to use Richardson in there. And Richardson's percentage of completion has improved from college to preseason to now, so you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, no, I think Steichen's in a hell of a job there. And this Colts, the defense is, I think, is what has surprised me the most because Gus Bradley, um, there was like signs of the defense not playing well last year. And then now with Darius Leonard, sorry, Shaquille Leonard back in there, uh, they look really good. They're flying around the football and they're causing havoc up front there. So this Colts team, I think, is really good. I'm curious to see how they continue to go with this six back attack with Anthony Richardson. How about D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans coming off a big win? They really took it to Jacksonville yeah. this last Sunday. They're, they've been dealing with injuries. We haven't seen them fully formed yet but really impressive victory last weekend. I think he's done a good – look, we know this. He's not going to get fired after a year. And his team's playing really hard, which is important. And they're playing hard for him. And and Stroud has looked really good. From the time Stroud played against New England in the preseason to where Stroud is now, he has greatly improved. And, you know, he threw the ball very effectively. They couldn't run the ball against Jacksonville. And yet they found ways to win that game, whether it was the punt, the kickoff return, they block a punt. The guy misses, they block a field goal. He misses a field goal. Mm -hmm. So look, I mean, this is going to be a, still, it's going to be a tough year, but I do think, especially because of all the injuries in their offensive line. I mean, he's been managing that offensive line, like left and right. He's not going to have, I don't think he's going to have Tunsil back this week when they play Pittsburgh, which is going to be really problematic for him because, you know, the Pittsburgh rushes coming off the edge are going to be dangerous. So I think he's done another, he's a solid to me. I think he's done an A job. Really, he's done an A job because he doesn't have a lot to work with, and yet he's making it go, and the offense looks a lot better than it ever has. Yeah, they've been just ravaged by injuries since since training camp. I mean, they've just been kind of behind the eight ball, never actually being able to get healthy. That offensive line has been banged up. Their two safeties, Jimmy Ward, who was their acquisition coming over from San Francisco, he's finally back in the starting lineup. Jalen Petrie, their stud rookie from last year, he gets hurt, and then Derek Stingley gets hurt in practice. It's like it's just way too many injuries for this Texans team. Hopefully, maybe the second half of the season we'll actually get to see them fully formed and healthy because I think they're an intriguing team. Uh, what about our buddy though, Jonathan Gannon, down in the desert? We knew this was a less than ideal situation that he took over, but he's got those guys playing hard and they had a massive victory against the Dallas Cowboys last Sunday. And when you watch that tape, Femi, that wasn't a fluke. Like that wasn't, Oh, you know, I mean, they played hard. They're not great on defense by any means, but they played really well, you know, and they've been able to run the football effectively. I mean, they ran the ball on Dallas's front. Yeah. They took it to Dallas. I mean, this is a team that's averaged 5.6 yards a carry. I mean, they took it to them. Now, they're not any good on defense. We know that. They give up over 50% on third down. You know, they have a hard time hanging in there. They can't really make a lot of plays in the passing game, but I give them a lot of credit. I think this is an A-minus job so far. This team's mm-hmm. playing hard. You know, they're not very talented. They've had a chance to win every single game they've played this year. I mean, they could make a case to be 3-0. and Big lead against New York. They let it go, right? And that Washington game, that fourth quarter, cost them. And, you know, they are truly a 50-minute team. I mean, think about this. I mean, they've been outscored in the third, fourth quarter 30-7 to seven this year. Wow. And that, to me, is just they're, run, they're doing everything they can to keep, in the, keep them in the game. I mean, they've outscored opponents 35-10 to 10 in the second quarter. So they've done a really good job. But the longer the game goes, the less, hard, the less effective they become. They've scored 18 points in the second half. They've allowed 47 points in the second half. So this is the true definition of what a 50-minute team looks like. But give them credit with where they are and Josh Dobbs, who wasn't even in their OTA days or in their training mm-hmm. camp. You know, he comes in late. I, I think you got to say, hey, look, they've done a really good job and they're playing their asses off and they, they just keep going. I mean, they just keep continuing to try to find ways. They're not an easy out. Mm-hmm. They're not an easy out. Yeah, Dallas found that out the hard way this past Sunday. I think we're a long way away from the the the, the pew, 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 all that stuff that Cannon was doing in the offseason that people just found awkward. But the guys are playing hard for him, so you got to give him his credit. He's done a terrific job so far through three weeks with the Cardinals. Tough game for them this upcoming Sunday, though. Two touchdown underdogs against the Niners on the road. All right, let's yeah. get to the two coaches that are established head coaches that took over new organizations that Sean Payton with the Broncos, Frank Reich with the Panthers, which one in your opinion has been more disappointing? Both coaches. Oh, and three. 
Well, I, I'm I'm a little disappointed. Sean hasn't been able to win a game, you know, especially his home. As for open the season with two home games, had a mm-hmm. chance there, twenty-one to three against Washington. He let that one slip. I mean, the Raider game was back and forth. If Garoppolo doesn't throw an interception in the end zone, they're going to win that game by more than a point. But I, I think more than anything is when you talk about wh- where are the adjustments, what's the second half. I mean. Look, I, you almost have to throw out the, the, the Miami game as an aberration, but you can't throw it out because it happened and it's there. You know, and this defense is allowing 9.4 yards per attempt. I mean, Washington threw the ball on them effectively. And, and you know, they've only scored 22 points in the second half all year. 22 points. They've been outscored in the second half 63 to 22. Mm. So that hasn't been very good. So Sean's got to figure out defensively, like, how am I going to get this fixed? Because if he can get a little bit of a control defensively, they can move the football offensively. They've given sacked 10 times, and he spent all this money on the offensive line. That's got to be concerning. And they've turned the ball over. But to me, you know, I think, look, right now where they are, they're, they're, they're a D team. And, and the same thing for Frank Wright. Where, where I think Frank Wright is in trouble of losing his team a little bit here is, is what happened last week. When you go into when you go into Seattle, now these players went to Seattle last year, right? Mm-hmm. And they went up there, and they know exactly who they are, and, and and they and they knew everything about what they could do and what they couldn't do. They went up there and they ran the ball like forty three times. They gained over two hundred yards rushing, and they won the game. They controlled time of possession thirty six minutes to twenty thirty six minutes to twenty to twenty four. I mean, they, they really took Seattle out of the game. And he goes up there and throws it 58 times with Andy Dalton. And if you're a player on the team, you're saying, what, what, what are we doing? We, we kicked these guys' ass last year up here. And now we're, now we're this far behind, and we're not any better defensively. We're not any better offensively. I mean, we're coming up here like, I know you want to call 58 passes, but is that in the best interest of how we play? The offensive line hasn't played any better. Like to me, what this looks like in Carolina is a system where Frank wants to run what he does, but not pay attention to what his team can do. See, give Steve Wilkes credit last year. Give Steve Wilkes. I mean, Steve Wilkes was able to to run to to figure out well, who his team was, and then play the game that way. Now, it didn't get him in the playoffs, but it won seven games. But this mm-hmm. year, they they don't even know who they are. They can't really run the ball. Their offensive line is worse. And, and I think a lot of this is Frank wants to run what he wants to run and not look at what his team can do. This is going to be tough for Frank. I mean, he's got to beat Minnesota this week. I don't think he can. I don't think he can beat Minnesota. And this is going to start falling apart for him there. Yeah, well, the betting market agrees with you. That line is now up to four in favor of the Vikings on the road in Charlotte. And it might be a classic situation of the KYP, know your personnel. And and maybe they don't know yeah. their personnel in Carolina right now. The way that they've been calling plays off to a disastrous start. This is a team that I wanted to buy throughout the offseason. Fifty-eight yeah. passes with Andy Dalton on the road. Oh my God, that that would have that would have sent me crazy through the roof. <laughs> Must be driving David Tepper crazy because he expected much more than this. On the other side, let's talk Miami Dolphins on the GM Shuffle. Well, as the fight song says it, Michael, Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. <laughs> they, everyone is excited about this Dolphins team, and, and rightfully so. They just put up a 70-burger on the Denver Broncos there. They're sitting at 3-0 and atop of the AFC East. But you had an interesting Twitter thread that you put out there, and you also wrote about this as well over at vcent.com. It's just that... Maybe let's pump the brakes a little bit here on the Dolphins. They're really good, but let's pump the brakes here. Uh, do you want to expand upon that a point there? Because I think a lot of folks, especially Dolphins Twitter, uh, <laughs> took took a uh, took a back to what you had to go ahead and say there uh, earlier this week on on social media. I mean, I th- I, I thought that was a positive co- column. I mean, I don't even know what people are complaining about. <laughs> I tried to explain <laughs> exactly the what Bowl. they're trying to do. Well, I mean, I know it's like every time I do a show here in Philly, all they want me to do is tell them they're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, it's like, okay, if you want me to tell you you're going to win the Super Bowl, I'll, I'll just do that if that's what you want. I mean, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, you know. But to me, I was I, I was trying to – I was being very positive. I, I think McDaniel ha, has done a great job of of being able to build the team around him, uh, you know, like the way he's running the football, the way he is spreading this out 
you know, with the horizontal run game, which creates inside passing lanes for Tua, so he doesn't have to worry about getting hit from inside. I think, to me, you know, the ability to continue to run the football, like I mentioned, 31 rushing attempts. He's averaging 31 rushing attempts this year compared to 22, spreading the ball around. I was on Bill Simmons, and Simmons read this quote. I, I, I thought I had it in my notes, but there was a quote from – from him that I thought was was outstanding. It said, we're going to do the opposite of what everyone else yeah, is doing. Yeah, no, I saw That's that That's the one. only way to be innovate. When designing an offense, you should break the rules of what previous coaches have taught. If you're following the rules, the defense has an advantage. And he's right. And, and I think he's done a great job of that. And they've done a great job. Like in the New England game, it caught him off guard. I don't understand how people could take what I wrote as a, as a negative. The reality is they haven't been as good on defense as I thought they were going to be. I thought they mm-hmm. would be much better on defense. And this is going to be a challenge to go into Buffalo. I think they've played Buffalo really well. I'm shocked the line hasn't moved towards Miami. Stayed at three pretty much all the time. <clears throat> I don't know what it is now. But, look, I think Miami has – I think what he solved the problem was he knows his offensive line isn't great. But he's got incredible skill players. And so because of the speed of Hill, who's the most valuable player in the league, I'll stand on that. Mm-hmm. Because of Hill – and the way you have to defend Hill and the way you have to defend the width of the field, it creates these incredible spacing on the court. So really, when you think of Miami's offense, think of it as they've got really great three-point shooters and they've got a point guard who can drive to the hoop anytime he wants. I think the... How do you defend it? And they don't miss on the three-point shot. They shoot 60% from the three-point line. They're certainly on fire. I think what people had problems with i mean i think just with dolphins fans is when i say people is that my guess is that they're taking it as a backhanded compliment when you say that tua is playing well but his receivers are so wide open because we know dolphins fans are very sensitive to any sort of criticism of tua tunga Vailoa, but it wasn't even criticism that you were saying here it was just you were stating a fact that hey mcdaniels does a hell of a job scheming guys wide open and i think this is a situation where two things can be true Tua's playing well but also his receivers are wide open like i like i don't see like that yeah. like you said that that seems almost like ask, a compliment of the offense let me ask you a, let me ask you a question honestly if you took Brock Purdy and moved him into Miami's offense, would it change? I don't think we would see a demonstrable change at all. No, I don't think so. No, I, I don't think so either. That's not a knock on Tua. But what what it is is what it is is Tua's really accurate on short throws. You know, he gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He's made really good decisions. You know, he's not gonna. You know, and if he doesn't have any pressure in his face, he can. He's got all these throws. He's gonna do it. To think that you, you know this is the mark of a guy who, and I've been critical of McDaniel as a head coach and a leader, you know. So for him to mm-hmm. make this adjustment, for him to really, to me, look at his off season and and say, okay, here's what we're going to do, I, I've been impressed. Now he he's got three weeks, and so he's going to play Buffalo. Buffalo has given has taken out of Tyreek Hill out of the game. 18 catches for 170 yards over three games, right? Mm-hmm. McDermott does a really good job. We know Belichick does a good job. For all this conversation now that we're having about about Miami being, you know, running away, and I didn't put this in the article, but I mean, they're they're a decent drive from losing the Charger game. Can we just put that in perspective? Mm. Right? They're a decent drive from losing the Charger game. Right? All they got all the Chargers have to do is is execute not not do something stupid and throw the guy and get the grounding call, right? You're asking and for And they're going to win the, the game. I know, but you're going to win the game. So, like, let's temper that. All I'm trying to say is let's temper it down. And we know this more than anything. In December and January, great defenses are the ones that propel, right? I mean, look, as good as the Eagles were on offense last year, they couldn't, they couldn't clamp down the, the Kansas City Chiefs. They got to a track meet. They lost. Now, you can blame the grass, and I think the grass had a lot to do with the slipping and the sliding. But to me, that, that's why. I, I think Miami, I, I'm surprised people aren't betting Miami more in this game. I really am. I really am. I'm because a little I think surprised. Miami's, Miami can go up. They've proven they played. I mean, they went up there with Skylar Thompson, and that's a closer game than people think it was. 
That was a very close game. That AFC wildcard game where Lloyd Buffalo was going to go ahead and let that thing slip away. And if not for some procedural penalties, maybe Miami gives themselves a better chance. But from the defensive standpoint here, projecting forward, and we'll get the status of Jalen Ramsey, I'm sure, later on in late November, early December. But do you think adding a Jalen Ramsey before the playoffs would help Miami get to championship-level defense? Because that was one of the pieces that made us all excited about this team back in May, June, July, and then he gets hurt the first week of training camp, and it's like, okay, well, maybe defensively they'll still be good because of Fangio, but they're not going to be what we thought they were going to be. Do you think adding Ramsey is what will be needed to get to that championship-level defense? Yeah, I think it will help them a lot. Look, and I think as the year goes on, they're going to get more acquainted with the with Vic's defense, you know, and they're going to be able to kind of have a better sense of it, what they have to do. I mean, right now they're – you know, right now there was an opportunity that that's, the Chargers moved the ball. The Chargers ran the ball effectively on them as much as anything. New England had opportunities really more in the passing game than the run game. New England couldn't run it. And then last week, you know, Denver early in the game could move the ball, but then when they fall behind. See, this is the one of the things that, that benefits Miami is the counterbalance, right? So you when you build these leads, you basically take somebody out of the game. Now, they can't, they won't be able to take Buffalo out of their game this week. Because Buffalo's game is kind of like loose game. You know, we're going to do what we do, right? You know, and if Buffalo the last two weeks has run their offense through their running back, through Cook, who's been a big leader, and then Allen has supplemented his run game within that. So they're not going to have to do that. I mean, it would be hard to get Buffalo out of their system and out of their scheme, just like they couldn't get New England, just like they couldn't get the Chargers. So they're going to have to be able to figure out you know, make those critical plays in the fourth quarter. But as long as they keep the quarterback to the level of where he's not getting touched, I mean, the ball he's the, the ball comes out of his hand in 2.4 seconds, Femi. Mm-hmm. Hell of an offense that the Dolphins have, and it's a lot of fun to watch it. And I'm looking at the betting market for this game coming up on Sunday in Orchard Park. The Bills, two-and-a-half-point favorites is the consensus number, it finally 54. Went down. So it, it's gone down. There's like a, there's a couple – where I'm sitting at Circa, it's three, but it's three heavily juiced. Like you'd have to pay minus 120 to take plus three with the Dolphins. Like how do you see this game kind of playing out here? It's a high-scoring game, high-variance game. I'm worried for my guy Josh Allen. We know sometimes in these games he tends to be a little impatient, wants to make some – big place can he be patient that's my key to this game can Josh Allen be patient with this Bills offense going down the field and go methodically down the field or is he going to be going big game hunting there and putting his uh putting the ball at risk you know I think he's got to play exactly how he's played no big game hunting be very and but he's made some incredible throws this past couple mm-hmm. of weeks he's made some incredibly accurate throws I, I'm surprised you know the ticket count in this game is right down the middle but 83 percent of the money is on Buffalo Mm-hmm. 83% of the money, yet the line's slightly moving towards Miami because it's coming down, but there's some juice. Look, I, I think this will be a field goal game. I think it's whoever has the ball last, and it's going to come down to who protects the football, right? Who gets the extra possession? Because I think both teams will move the football, and weather's not going to be a factor. Both teams can move the ball, and, you know, the last time they played, Miami won in Miami. It was kind of Miami wasn't anywhere near where they are now, when Miami lost by three in Buffalo with two at quarterback, Miami wasn't anywhere near the offense that they are now. So I think they're getting a different look. And I worry about Buffalo's team speed. My instincts say take Buffalo. Mm. Excuse me, take Miami. My numbers say pretty much the same numbers that they have here on the board. But my eyesight says Miami's going to be able to move the ball and attack this secondary because I think Hyde and Poyer are going to be liable. And if they if this becomes a man to man game, I don't think Buffalo can match up. Yeah, I, I sort of agree with you. Like the Bills have had trouble with this Dolphins team. I haven't bet this game. I don't think I will because I think the numbers right. And my guess as to why the early week money was so heavily towards Buffalo, I think it's kind of the classic old school sharp mentality of hey, you fade the team that's coming off of the big performance. I mean, Miami comes off seventy points. It's like all right, well they're going to be overinflated in the market, quote unquote. Let me go ahead and take the other side. Like I think that's kind of why you saw that early money coming in on the Bills. I don't know if it's anything that's like a strong opinion. I think if it was, I think we'd see threes across the board the fact that we don't mm-hmm. it, it to me that looks like it's sort of a coin flip sort of game here uh, but yeah it's how it's the, the most bet it's the most bet game it's other than this thursday night game it's by far the most bet yeah. game it's a hell of a game it's I, by far the most bet. i mean it'll be a great game but to me this is one of those where 
it's the most bet game in terms of tickets being written, and it's the most game. It's the hardest game to really handicap because on one hand, you really think Miami will move the football, but then you realize that McDermott's done a good job. On the other hand, you know Buffalo will move the ball because you know last time Vic Fangio played against Buffalo, he gave up when he was in Detroit, when he was in Denver, he gave up 500 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they put 500 yards on the on Broncos. Now it's a different team, but my point of bringing that story up, it's the same scheme. Right, they put five. They put five bills on them. Yeah, and what I love about the NFL so much is that even games in September are high leverage games. This is a very high leverage game because if the Dolphins are able to get this victory to improve to four and zero, then the Bills will be then at two and two, and you already would have beat them on their home field. Like that's a massive, massive game, and it's sort of like this sort of carousel that we're going to see in the AFC when this fight for the number one seed. You have the Dolphins playing the Chiefs in Germany. And then obviously the Chiefs play the Bills later on this season. Dolphins and Bills, of course, will play two times. Like they're all going to play each other, and we're all going to kind of figure out heading into the playoffs which of these teams stacks up and should be the number one team here. But high stakes game, and a shout out to the Dolphins not having to go to Arrowhead and getting to play them in Germany, and then also getting the Bills in September. Like <laughs> I don't know who the Dolphins talked to in the league office to get that schedule situated. I mean, it's but amazing. <laughs> no cold they, games. They, they, no, no. There's like that. We want no cold games. Somebody did a favor. <laughs> they did. They did somebody a favor. Uh, but we will get down to the other games and also give you guys some injury information here on some of these quarterbacks that are playing in week number four. This is the GM Shuffle presented by DraftKings and VEASAN. All right, we have a number of quarterback injuries that we should touch on here before we wrap things up. Uh, the first one being Derek Carr. He missed practice Earlier on Wednesday, I would not anticipate that he practices on Thursday dealing with the shoulder injury that he injured in their yeah. loss to the Green Bay Packers. Do you, do you mean, think that there's any chance Jay, that he could play? When, no. When they yeah. signed Jake Luton this week, when they signed him, there's no chance. I mean, that's yeah. he's not playing. Yeah, so. I mean, that, that's just kind of what happened. When you bring – and they brought Luton in, he's going to be the backup. So, you know, that kind of like they tell you that that's – okay, That's we're not doing that. He's not going to play. It's going to be a Winston game. And, you know, we'll go from there and hopefully they can manage the game correctly. Yeah. So it'll be Jameis Winston and welcome back Alvin Kamara from his suspension. We'll get to see Alvin Kamara back on the field there for the New Orleans Saints. What about the Las Vegas Raiders? Jimmy Garoppolo is in the concussion protocol. He did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, Where are we at here? Are we looking at Brian Hoyer if Jimmy G can't go or could they go and pick Aiden Connell? I I would uh, you know, look, I think based on the preseason, you have to go with Aiden Connell. Now, the good thing is if the Raiders do decide to go, if Jimmy G doesn't clear protocol, and I don't know if he has, it's been hard for guys to clear the protocol. But at least as a coach, one of the reasons why I think Hoyer's up early before somebody else is because there's no reps being given out at practice to the backup very much, right? So in a sudden change like that, you got to put a veteran out there that can get you through the game. But if you have time to prepare for the game, where the rookie can get a lot more reps, then you've got a chance. So, you know, if Garoppolo can't go, it wouldn't surprise me if they started Hoyer and then they went to O'Connell based on what was going on with the game. But I think to me, you know, they at least they have time to get O'Connell ready to go. And the way he looked this summer, it shouldn't be – they should let him go. I mean, it yeah. should be. Yeah. If, if Jimmy G can't clear protocol, play the kid. Like, I want to see Aiden O'Connell. You know, we we're a big fan of Aiden O'Connell after what we saw in the preseason there. I'd like to see him in the regular season and get to play with Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, and the rest. Uh, the rookie quarterbacks, we believe that we'll see both of these guys back, Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. They have returned to practice. Richardson, I think, is still technically in the protocol, but I believe the anticipation is that he'll be able to clear it and Bryce Young dealing with the ankle. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think there's no question. Bryce Young was out there. We saw him moving around. You know, this is a huge game for Carolina. I mean, they're playing a Minnesota team that when, you know, it's hard to believe that as good as Kirk Cousins has played, I mean, it just shows you the value of not not turning the ball over, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they just don't turn the ball over, they should be 2-1, and one, but they keep turning, especially in red zone like we talked about. And then I think, you know, the one thing is, uh, you know, with Richardson, I think there's no question he's going to play. It sounds like he's ready to go. The Rams injury, to me, if you want to bet this game, do not bet the Rams with the left tackle Alex oh, Jackson who God. didn't play. No, you can't bet this. So, like, and I'm sure Sean will do something. He won't move the 54 over there. He'll do something different. But that being said, 
you know, you got to be really careful because the one thing the Colts defense can do is rush the passer. They're going to create some problems for Stafford by rushing and putting create and 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 coming after him. So, uh, you know, I, I I would be really I would check if you want to like my instinct in this game were to be bet the Rams because I think the Rams mm-hmm. I think Sean knows how to deal with uh, Gus Bradley's defense. Yeah. I think they they can do some things, and but but uh, if that line is has a bunch of injuries. On the road in a dome, I wouldn't trust it at all. Yeah, when Alaric Jackson went out of the game last Monday night, oh my gosh, it was it was tough. You know, I'm not even sure the name the, of the left but tackle. But that's the Rams, Femi. That's yeah. the Rams. I mean, when they lose one or two guys, you know, everybody was making a big deal of losing Cup. Well, the scheme gets the receiver open quite a bit. I'm not saying Cup's not a good player, but you know, it's like <laughs> sometimes when you watch the the, the scheme helps, right? You yeah. know, we're getting this coverage. We do this, okay. But you, there's no – you can't – the left tackle's got to block somebody. It's like the Giants. They get Andrew Thomas back this week. Mm-hmm. That helps them. Yeah. You know, that really helps them, and that helps the play caller because he doesn't have to constantly worry about the left tackle and protecting them. All right, let's give some thoughts here on this weekend's game, starting with the GM Shuffle Bowl, Patriots at the Cowboys. Maybe we'll go ahead and text back and forth during this one, Michael. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Dallas right now, six no, I'll be watching the Raider game, I <laughs> oh, think. Oh, that's right. The, yeah, you'll be watching the, the Raider game. It's all at the same play. time. Yeah. yeah, there you yeah. go. Two screen Michael coming up on Sunday. Uh, six and a half points is the spread here. Cowboys are the favorites. Total 43. Still uncertainty with Dallas's offensive line. Surprise, surprise. I mean, they, these guys will never be able to be starting well, five healthy Four guys mispracticed yesterday, right? Four yeah. guys mispracticed yesterday. So, mm-hmm. look, I, I watched that tape again this morning. I watched Arizona play Dallas and you know, they took it. Arizona took it to them. They were able to get pressure. Uh, they were able to run the football. They made big explosive plays on the Dallas team, and they were blocking them up front. They blocked them. I mean, they literally blocked them. And, you know, Micah is great, but, you know, if you got if you can kind of block him, you got a chance to make some plays in the back end. So, I mean, look, New England, what's the stat? I think Mac Jones is 0 10. As a as a road, I mean, as a as an underdog, I mean, he has yet to win a game. I don't think as an underdog going on the road as a road dog. So, you know, those trends are. I think I have it right here. I think uh, that's less than ideal. You know, those are. Yeah, that that's that's kind of what you worried about. Is he going to be able to make a play, make some throw? Mac Jones is zero and ten against the spread. His last ten starts as an underdog. Whew. Man, uh, this is an no- injury note there from Todd Archer at ESPN. So Mike McCarthy said the hope is that Tyler Biotish, the center, and Zach Martin, the all-pro guard, will get some limited work in practice today on Thursday. Tyron Smith will be with the rehab group dealing with the knee injury. So uh, that's the yeah, updated I mean, information. I, I don't think Smith's going to play. But look, they signed Billy Price to be the backup center, so they're mm-hmm. worried about the center playing. Yeah. You know, I would think maybe Martin could play, but I think they're worried about the center. What about Cleveland and Baltimore right now? This is an interesting game. A game I do have a bet on. Browns laying three, total 40 and a half. Yeah, this is one that I, you know, so the Browns, I do think that the the Ravens are going to get back their left tackle, Stanley and their center. Mm -hmm. It sounds like they're going to be healthier, but their receivers are not healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, Zay Flowers might be the only healthy receiver really out there. So that's a real problem for them. And then when you break the game down and when you look at, Okay, you know, Lamar as a dog is a really an attractive thing, mm-hmm. you know, when you get him out there. And the best game Deshaun played last year, the best game Deshaun played last year was against Baltimore. Now, Baltimore had Hundley playing quarterback, and they won that game 13-3. to So that was the best game he played as a Cleveland Brown up until last weekend. So, you know, and I guess Gus Bradley cleared protocol, so they do have a running back. I mean, he was 18 for 28 for for 161 yards. That's not great numbers, but that was that was good enough. And I think when you watch this and you break it down, I mean, both teams are good defensively, but you know, Baltimore's offense is going to have to be healthy. To mm-hmm. me, you you always want to take Baltimore and get three because it feels like with with Tucker you're getting six because he's going to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're getting points. <laughs> but to me, in this game, you know, without that, you got to really check the injury report on this one. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I did. I took the three with Baltimore here, hoping that we can get at least maybe Rashad Bateman on the field there. But both Bateman and Odell Beckham did not practice on Wednesday. Here, here's a good nugget for you. Mm-hmm. Steve Mackinnon and our, and our guide, he, he always puts out these trends. And I think trends are really good to look at to eliminate games. I think trends are good to look at and say, I don't want anything to do with that, right? Right. And so Lamar Jackson is 11-1-1 one one against the spread as an underdog. 
you know, and he's nine and four outright, you know, and, and he doesn't need a lot of people around him to be great. Mm-hmm. Now, teams that are going, we're going to have our first bye next week, believe that or not. Can you wow. imagine that? Yeah, teams into going into a bye, teams going into a bye facing a divisional opponent. So it, th- there's two criterias to meet. Going into a bye and facing a divisional opponent are 49-19 against the spread. That would qualify the Browns, the Chargers, and the Bucks. So, I mean, that's something to think about. And then the other one to think about, too, is the Dolphins are 3-0 and outright against the spread this year. And they basically have the highest cover margin of any team in the league at 18.2. But, again, all the Dolphins' numbers are going to be skewed because yeah. of that game. Yeah. I mean, what are they averaging, a bajillion points per game? Just because of the 70 points. Yeah, it's, I it's mean, tough. yeah, exactly. But <laughs> when you break them down, when you like, – like points per play defense, they're, they're yeah. 19th in the league. Third down defense, they're 26th in the league. Third down in terms of teams getting down there. See, to me, when people look at a third down number – they look at the wrong number. They look at third down as, okay, how many att- how many attempts do you get in the red zone? Like that's the key red zone number, right? Mm-hmm. Because your red zone is, is if you're down there, red zone defense 21 times, they're 21st in the league in that category. Punts per game, they're 22nd in forcing punts per game. Eagles are hosting the Washington Commanders. This was the game that they lost last year when they were undefeated Monday mm-hmm. Night Football. They're eight-point favorites, total 43-and-a-half. Obviously, we didn't get to talk much about Bucks eagles but uh, you think the Eagles are back on track here, or can the Commanders make this a competitive game? You know, I thought that the – well, look, I give the Eagles a ton of credit. They, they said, you know what, we're, if, you, if you won't let us have the run, the pass, we'll just keep running down your throat. Mm-hmm. I mean, the holes that Swift ran through against a really good Buck front were, yeah. were like – they were like, you know, unbelievable. So – you know, Washington's plays them pretty well. They match the physicality up front. They can match it. I mean, those the, the Washington defensive front can match them. And they've always had problems in the secondary. Uh, can Do I think Philly can run the ball down their throat? I don't think it will. But here's the issue. Can, can Washington protect Philly? I mean, Washington struggled. I mean, their right tackle last week, the kid they signed from Kansas City, Wiley, he was terrible. The left tackle, Leno, he's always been bad. I mean, you know, it was a jailbreak. Buffalo was just coming after him. And Buffalo's speed on defense gave him a lot of trouble. And there was no run game. I mean, this is one of those where Biennemi got into that, hey, I'm going to call a lot of passes here, trying to get this thing and not yeah. helping out the young quarterback. But look, this is the matchup of the Super Bowl, Biennemi against Philadelphia. Different, different. I mean, at least he knows Philly's yeah. personnel. But Philly's a different style of defense than they were last year as much. So, I mean, there's you can make plays on Philly's secondary. The problem is you got to block this thing. And, and Riddick, I don't think, has a sack yet. I mean, it's been oh. the inside players that have been the problem. Yeah, yeah. Hassan Reddick is on a milk carton. I don't know how your people out there in Philadelphia feel about this in the Jersey area, but we, we're all still looking for just Hassan tell Reddick. Them, just tell them they're going to the Super Bowl. That's all they want to – just tell them they're going to the Super Bowl. Everything will be fine. I will say this. Jalen Carter – my God. <laughs> he's, look, we said it all on the show here yeah. the whole time. He's the best player. He was the best non-quarterback in yeah. the draft. I, I mean, mean, it was it was not a close call. Jesus. I didn't think it was. And people people got caught up in the character. They didn't feel yeah. comfortable with it. And that's that's life, you know? Yeah, because if he keeps his head on straight, that's an all-time steal. Uh, Bengals yeah. at the Titans real quick here before we wrap up here. Joe Burrow, the calf didn't look that great. Now they're going to, on the road no. to take on Nashville. You know what's shocking Tennessee about Titans. this game is – when you break down the numbers, as bad as Tennessee's offense looks, Cincinnati's numbers are not much better. They look bad. Since he will not be able to run the ball, they're going to have to throw it in this game. This is a tough game for Cincy. It's a tougher game than you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a stay away from me in terms of the betting side of it. But we will break down all of the games from week number four on Monday's edition of the podcast. Thank you once again to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael, back and fresh from his appearance on CNBC with the knot. Uh, maybe we'll compare your knot to Al's knot coming up later on tonight on Thursday Night Football. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture of that knot tonight. Yes, sir. There we go. You like the Packers or the Lions? Real quick. Uh, I like the pack. See you Monday. <laughs>